Third and four for the Eagles here. Murphy in shotgun. Here's the snap. He rolls left. He throws. Welcome to the first ever WZBC Sports Podcast. My name is Stephen Mackley, and along with Jake DiLorenzo, we will be hosting and putting together a lot of the WZBC Sports Podcasts that will be coming your way this year. We're really excited about this initiative within WZBC Sports and all the great things to come from WZBC Sports this year. But for the first one ever, it's fitting that I'm joined by the two directors of WZBC Sports, Casey Haig, Anthony Iotti. These guys are doing a lot over the summer to get us ready for this point. Uh, they're going to be traveling to Ireland with the team for the opener against Georgia Tech. And uh, I thought they, they were the guys to bring on to the first one. We're going to talk some BC football, expectations for the year, what we're excited about this season. And we're going to also get to a really cool uh, and insightful interview um, from John Kincaid of CBS Sports Radio, who talked about the ACC, Georgia Tech, BC, and the landscape of college football. So this is really exciting. Uh, I think this is a great start to what we're trying to do as a club and uh, really reach out there with a lot of cool stuff. So we hope you enjoy. And uh, with that, guys, glad to have you with us. Uh, great. Thank you for having us, Steve. Thanks a lot, Steve. Great to be back on campus and back in the swing of WZBC Sports. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great year, guys. You guys know that better than anyone. Um, so let's talk about it. WZBC Sports traveling to Ireland with the team. I mean, for those that know the club, they know we travel with the football team home and away uh, to every game even the bowl games uh, when we're there. But Ireland's special. I mean, this is this is only the sixth ever college football game in Ireland. This is the second time BC's been there. Uh, and this is a big thing. This is a big thing for marketing. BC's on national TV. It's on ESPN2, despite the fact that it is 7.30 in the morning <laughs> in uh, local time. Um, but let's talk about excitement from WZBC Sports' perspective about traveling to Ireland. What does this mean for the club? And uh, how are you guys feeling about it? Well, I think that for WZBC Sports as a club, it's fantastic, a phenomenal thing. We really thank Athletics for allowing us to do something like that. But when it comes to BC actually playing in Ireland, of course, Boston College, as you know, historically has been, uh, had a plethora of Irish Catholic uh, individuals that attend this university. It's a Jesuit school, of course. Uh, so you really see a lot of that. And it'll be nice to go to Ireland, of course. So much history there. And it'll be there for a few days. Of course, the football team will get a few tours showed around the city, and it's going to be a very nice time. A little bit wet, of course, as you would expect with the Ireland weather, but it will be great for Boston College, of course, to, to get over across the pond for a game rather than just uh, down throughout the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you guys touched on, this is a huge game for the conference, for the school, and for our club. I mean, focusing in on, on the Boston College program, by going back to Ireland, we join teams like Notre Dame, Army, Navy, some big names that have played games in Ireland, most, most recently that Notre Dame-Navy game in 2012, which sold out of Viva Stadium. Uh, so I think this is really a great opportunity for everyone involved. I know the BC coaching staff is extremely excited to be shipping out on Tuesday night to head out there, and I'm sure Georgia Tech feels the same way, and Casey and I couldn't be more excited as well. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, what a cool thing that we as students get to be able to do this kind of stuff. Um, and we'll be traveling with all the football games this year, but this one kicking off the season, 
is particularly exciting, and it's going to be a great broadcast. I'll be in the studio engineering, and you guys will be on the call. So we're really looking forward to that, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and this is this is a this is a big game, and, and not only is it a season opener, and you know not only is it against a conference opponent, both teams are coming off three and nine records last season. The Georgia Tech's got a lot to prove, for for sure, but. From our standpoint, certainly BC does. I mean, this can set the tone of the season. You come back, you beat Georgia Tech, and you say, all right, we're back. You know, the Boston College brand of football that has been successful is back. That starts with the offense looking better. And, and I mean, th- there's no way around it. The offense struggled last year. A lot of improvements this year. Bring in Scott Loeffler from Virginia Tech, new offense coordinator, which I think is definitely a step in the right direction. And we bring in Patrick Tolles from, from Kentucky. So, just kind of looking at the at the offense as a whole, what are your thoughts on on what they're bringing? We have a, a, finally a solid backup with Wade healthy again. That is, if Wade is the number two, and that's kind of what we're all assuming at this point. This just you know being Tuesday or excuse me Monday, August 29th. I don't believe they've made a announcement yet on the quarterback. What are your thoughts on the offense and and what we're going to be bringing? I mean, Scott Loeffler put up a lot of points at Virginia Tech, and gosh, I mean, we could use some points here. So, from an offensive standpoint, the, the one part of the game that needs to get better. What do you guys think? Well, I think the key here is experience. I mean, in the form of Loeffler, a, a kind of a noted quarterback guru coming in from another ACC school, as you mentioned, and then Tolles, who was a, a four-year player at the University of Kentucky playing in a really tough SEC conference that I consider and many consider to be the best in college football. His numbers are what they are. They're not perfect, but they are pretty solid, and, and BC will take it coming in. And he's just a guy who's going to bring – a lot of game experience to a pretty young offense. I mean, this was one of the youngest teams in the conference last year, especially when all the injuries hit. So I think Tolles is going to bring a big arm. He's going to bring a wide variety of, of, as I said, experience. And he's got size, too, which always helps. I think you're going to see a little more durability. Uh, BC did struggle with injuries at the quarterback position last year. And, you know, should something happen to Tolles, I do feel confident in Darius Wade. Uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see a ton of him, play, uh, ton of him playing last year beyond uh, that Florida State game when he broke his ankle. So I'm very excited about what Tolles is going to bring to the table, and I think he's going to work wonders for this offense. Refreshing. I think that's the term you can really use for Tolles, of course. As we mentioned, a quarterback coming from the Southeast Conference, a little bit different than what you're expecting to see. It's a pocket quarterback, someone that can throw. You look at his numbers over the past few years, thrown over 2,000 yards uh, in both 2015 and 2014, had a completion percentage right around 56-57, which if you look at John Fadul, who of course was pretty much the primary starting quarterback for the Eagles last season by the end, he was around 52%, and really all the uh, numbers go lower than that for the uh, revolving door. That was the quarterback situation for the Eagles last year. And I think with Harambe, you see – He's refreshing in that he's dedicating the season to Harambe, of course, as you know, the gorilla that was fatally shot in the Cincinnati Zoo. Of course, it's uh, it's something different. He's trying to get students involved and a lot of people in the Boston area to really look at it. Yeah, of course, it may not be uh, the most politically correct thing. It's a little more like a, a frat boy sort of thing to dedicate a season to Harambe. However, I feel as though he is bringing a... Uh, a fresh mentality to this team and the fact that he will be able to lead them at the quarterback position as it looks to appear uh, is is something good, something that Boston College really is going to enjoy this season for football. 
Yeah, I agree with both of what you said. Tolles is refreshing. He brings that experience. He's a, he's a fifth-year senior. Anthony, you're right. The SEC is the best conference in football, and we'll hear a little bit more about that actually later in this podcast um, and, and thoughts on college football as a whole. But, yeah, he brings that experience. And, Casey, to your point, he, he brings a flavor, and he brings a personality. I think this team – probably need to take a step back and say, like, it's going to be all right. You know, we had, we had a bad season. But, you know, we have some new leaders in. We have leaders that have grown into their spots. I think Tulsa is going to provide that. Um, having Wade, again, if we're assuming that he's going to be the backup come yeah, the Georgia Tech game, that's really big. Wade, you, you look at last season and what it could have been had you had a quarterback who was healthy enough to, to play all game. I mean, seriously, it's, it's easy to say they win seven games. I mean, r- really. And to have a, a you know, a, again, if we're assuming he, he is the backup, that's huge. I mean, you look at Notre Dame last year. Malik Sayer goes down to Virginia, and then Deshaun Kaiser steps up. I mean, they didn't miss a beat. They had a legitimate backup quarterback, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, now Kaiser probably is more than your backup quarterback. But th- these are big things. There's depth in the offense. It's a, it's a pro-style set. They're still going to run a lot. Hillman's still going to run a lot. The, you know, he's back and healthy. But – I think the offense is going to take a big step forward, uh, and I'm excited about it. So I agree with both of what you said. In terms of the offense and some, some guys that we're looking at, I'll, I'll offer it as a toss-up to you guys. X-factor or breakout player on the offensive side of the ball, who, who, do, who do you say? Because I have my guy. I'll give my guy. Uh, he's probably not the name that you're thinking of, but X-factor or breakout player, either one, give me a name that, that we could watch out for this year with, with BC football. I'm going to go with Elijah Robinson, a sophomore wide receiver. We saw flashes of him last year, and I think what's so important about Robinson is just the way he can stretch the field. I mean, as you said, Steve, this is still a run-first offense, and I think it always will be with Coach Steve Adazio at the helm and the offensive line presence that that is on this roster. But Robinson's dynamic is just that he's he's more of a speedster. Him and Thad Smith are really the deep threats on this team, and I think in order to keep defenses honest, in order to prevent – teams from bringing you know eight into the box bringing that strong safety down BC's going to have to test the waters deep with Robinson you know whether they're able to connect on a bunch of big plays or not isn't really so important early on I think that'll come with time as Tolles and Robinson Tolles and Smith get more reps together early on it's just about defenses respecting the threat of the pass and one thing about Robinson is that he can he can create separation from defenders and I think that's something that is sorely needed on this BC offense. You know, to keep it rolling with the offensive side, I think the orchestrator behind the receivers, of course, is Tolls. And I think that he, in the end, will become the X factor for this Boston College offense. You have guys like Thad Smith, Elijah Robinson, of course, returners who are older, like Charlie Cowlin. Of course, you have uh, young Michael Walker, uh, who can certainly step his game up if Tolls is able to provide that uh, security that they have at the quarterback position. It's just been difficult to Last season, of course, when you didn't have the best quarterback and the fact that Wade got injured in week three against Florida State. And from there, it was just a, it was very difficult to replace that and find a solid starter. So with someone like Tolls as a graduate transfer, I think he brings that leadership and that ability to really run the offense and push them forward and to have a successful season in the ACC. Yeah, I think the breakout player with Elijah Robinson is, is a great pick. I mean, he learned a lot last year. But in terms of the X Factor, Casey, you're right. It's tolls. I've you know been paying attention to a lot of the BC football press as they've kind of wrapped up training camp, as we all have. And tolls is hard on himself a lot. You know, and, and Adazio, I think, is hard on him a little bit as well. Talking about you know he didn't he missed this throw or that throw. But I think we got to step back and say the kind of improvement that he's bringing 
even if you like, even if you purely looked at his numbers at Kentucky and said, "All right, you know, I'm not. They're okay." Even if it, it's it's he's a quarterback, guys. I mean, he can get the ball down the field. We didn't have that last year. The guys just were too young, or, or they were, or the offense wasn't ready yet to bring that. Tolls brings that. He's the guy. And guys like Michael Walker, Thad Smith, Elijah Robinson will follow his lead. So I think he's absolutely the X factor um, on on the whole team, especially on the offensive side. For me, I'm gonna go with the breakout player. I really like number 38, Richard Wilson. He kind of doubles as, as that halfback, fullback. I think in third down situations and going situations, he brings the speed. He can get it out to the outside if the play does, develops that way, but he can bust it up the middle as well. Um, so I really like Richard Wilson. I think he's going to have a big year. He's your fourth running back probably, but he will get action. Coach Adazio loves the depth, loves to work a lot of running backs in, and he was talking about it today actually in his press conference. Um, about getting about the the depth at running back and Devon Jones, who's a freshman coming in, he should add a lot. But Richard Wilson, I think, will get playing time. He's, I'm not sure if he's a sophomore, or junior in terms of on the team, but he's he's been here for three years now. I really like him. I think he's gonna have a big year. Um, so he's my breakout player. Let's turn it over to the other side of the ball, the team, the part of the ball that um, really, you know, made headlines for us last year, despite the three and nine record. Simple question, is BC sustained this defensive dominance that they had from last year? They returned eight of the 12 starters. What do you guys think? The simple answer to me is yes. Um, I think maybe it's a little unreasonable to expect them to rank first in the nation in so many categories as they did last year, but I really do think that there's just as much talent, just as much depth as on this roster as there was on last year's. Obviously, the loss of defensive coordinator Don Brown to Michigan is huge, but I think everyone around the program has a ton of faith in Jim Reed and what he's bringing from Iowa. Again, another very experienced coach, someone that Adazio has always liked and trusted. And look at the names on this defense, guys. It's still top-notch. you got Harold Landry, Truman Goodapple, a new captain on that defensive line. Now, this is where they lost two starters, uh, Mehdi Abdesmad and Connor Wojak, moving on, but I think they're still going to be very strong up front. And to me, the strength of this defense is still the linebackers. Um, you know, you got Matt Milano, whose role is only going to increase now that Steven Daniels has departed for the NFL. Ditto for Connor Strahan, who's going to step into that starting middle linebacker role. And Ty Schwab, I thought, was very underrated last year. He didn't get as much of the press as maybe Daniels or Justin Simmons did on defense. But I think the junior is going to really step up and, and make some more headlines this year. And, you know, I, I believe in the secondary, too, but I can uh, leave some of that for Casey. Yeah, I would honestly say that the secondary, as much as the linebacker core, I think will be just as much provenance on their defense this year. Uh, you look at what they have in Yidem Johnson and Moore all returning as starters, and now William Harrison there at the free safety position. I think that the secondary, as we saw last season, did an excellent job closing down defenses. I mean, obviously it's not going to be the same secondary as it was last season. I mean, you can't win every battle. Of course, now with Jim Reed coming in, I think he'll be able to keep them going and adjust them into the the right way of playing for this defense. But I think when it comes to the secondary, they will play a prominent role on this defense. Yeah, I think the secondary is, is an exciting part. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that they handled last year in the ACC, you know, Great ones down the down the line, especially probably the best player in the country, Deshaun Watson. Uh, and they hung, they hung tough, in the, tough in that Clemson game. So I agree the defense should be great again and, and exciting. One, also, one other thing I'd like to add on this defense, I think you're going to see a breakout from one of these young defensive linemen. Now whether that's someone like Zach Allen, Wyatt Ray, Ray Smith, all three of those guys are sophomores. They can rush the passer a little bit. And I think now that they're going to get the opportunity with Wojak and Abismod moving on, one of those guys, I think, is going to have a huge year, and he'll be someone we're talking about as a defensive cornerstone in 2017. 
I agree, Anthony. I think this defense is going to be great again, and we're going to see a lot of the stuff that we saw from last year, even with a new coordinator. So now I want to go to this interview uh, with John Kincaid from CBS Sports Radio. John was gracious enough to lend him, lend us some of his time uh, over the summer to talk about the ACC as a whole, Georgia Tech, BC, college football. It's a really good interview, um, and we're really thankful for John. So let's head to that right now on this first ever WCBC Sports Podcast. So I am so excited and honored to welcome to the first ever WZBC Sports Podcast, someone who has helped me so much in my own pursuit of sports radio, both in and out of Boston College, and someone with whom I share some roots. John Kincaid and I are both from the Philadelphia suburbs and avid Philadelphia sports fans, despite the fact that he now resides and works in Atlanta, Georgia. John Kincaid is the co-host of the Buck and Kincaid Show on 680 The Fan in Atlanta, the longest-running sports show in the history of Atlanta. He is also the host of the John Kincaid Show on CBS Sports Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, and the co-host of the very popular The Big Podcast with Shaq on Podcast One. And if you ask me, one of the finest voices in uh, sports radio. So, John, thank you for taking the time to talk some Georgia Tech and college football with me and WZBC Sports. I'm glad to do it. Uh, always great. Uh, I did these kind of things back at Temple University when I was a student. So I'm glad to be able to talk to you guys and have an opportunity to share some of the some insights and uh, what's going on down here in the South. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're super excited to have you. So let's just get right into it. The season opener for Georgia Tech, it's in Ireland. It's against a conference opponent. Uh, it's on national TV. That's got to be exciting, even for a team coming off uh, a 3-9 record last season. So what is the feeling around this particular game um, and the upcoming season in Atlanta for Georgia Tech, this just being the sixth ever college football game uh, in Ireland? I've got to tell you that right now, attention, excitement, energy around the Georgia Tech program to me, is at an all-time low. And I'm talking about the 20-some years that I've lived here in Atlanta. And we've been doing Buck and Kincaid. We're getting ready to have our 16th anniversary. So I've been around a lot of seasons of Georgia Tech football. I've never seen the pulse on Georgia Tech football less. Our station is the flagship. And I can tell you that it seems to me the energy level around their fan base, there's a lot of frustration. They're not not happy with the direction of the program. They have just seen their athletic director, you know, walk out the door on them. Uh, so it's just, there's just not a lot of energy right now. Paul Johnson is a very controversial figure down here. And despite the fact that just a couple of years ago, he had them with a very, very successful season and the, the team looked like it was pointed in the right direction. Last year was such a fall off the map there's a lot of people that are extremely frustrated and not thinking that this year is going to be a big turnaround. Yeah, so I mean that kind of leads me, you know, into the, this next point. I mean, after an Orange Bowl win over Mississippi State two years ago, they go three and nine and finish in last place in the Coastal in the ACC. So, do you think that's maybe a little bit more representative of where Georgia Tech's at now? And two years ago was an anomaly, or you know, kind of what went wrong with with last season? sort of along the lines of, you know when you look sloppy and you're running to the convenience store, you know, you just don't want to take a shower and you run to the convenience store, and then every once in a while you get all cleaned up and you put on your nicest suit. You're not as good looking as you are when you're dressed up like that, as you, or as sloppy as you look when you run to the convenience store. You're somewhere in the middle. The truth lies in the middle about, you know, where you're at. And I think with Georgia Tech football, it's the same thing. It was an ugly product last year. Now, there were some injuries. They got ravaged along the line of scrimmage. 
but two years ago, I also believe they benefited from a slightly down ACC, and they just got hot at the right time. I think for the for the for the most part, the Georgia Tech football program is an eight-win type of program, and occasionally they can have spikes. But I've grown to believe that the high watermark for them is averaging around eight, maybe nine wins if it's a good year. If you get above that, that's the odd year. If you get the six and six season, you got to take them too. Uh, it just is sort of the nature of the beast. A very hard academic school. They don't bend a lot on admissions for allowing in student athletes that don't meet the criteria, and I think that hurts them. Plus, they do not have a wide variety of degree programs, and also I believe that that hampers them in being able to get in guys to be able to pursue different academic pursuits. Yeah, that's really interesting, um, and that kind of gives us a good perspective. Some comparisons there, I, I think, with BC and kind of the way um, BC handles their players and handles their admission. Um, so, you know, you saying it's an eight-win team, that gives us a good look at what to expect from them. I guess talking some more of the ins and outs of the program and, and some football-specific things, Georgia Tech definitely is one of the more creative offenses in college football. They run the triple option. So what are your thoughts on what Paul Johnson runs or kind of his philosophy as a coach, especially in light of, of a Boston College defense, that defense that's going to blitz a lot, it's going to mix up looks. I mean, despite the 3-9 record last season for the Eagles, they had a top three defense in the country. So that, a lot of those guys are back. They're going to deliver um, a pretty ferocious package. So what do you think about what Georgia Tech runs? Well, here's the one thing about it is, is that what, what, George, what Georgia Tech wants to do offensively and what BC wants to do defensively, I'm not sure that BC is not more of a terror for some other teams because if Georgia Tech runs the ball 40 times, they're going to be happy to do that, and they're going to be willing to do that, depending on how they feel they can be attacked by the Eagles. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at this as a great matchup for Boston College because Georgia Tech, first of all, when you prepare for them, the only advantage that Boston College really has is that Steve – Adazio has had an entire offseason to prepare for Tech and to prepare for that offense. Because what I think happens a lot is with that triple option, which, by the way, for me, you might as well broadcast the games in black and white because it bores me. It's a boring offense to me. And when you don't really challenge a lot of defenses, throwing the ball down the field enough, I think it just becomes a little bit monotonous. And if you go down by two scores, you're pretty much done. But that Paul's willing to do that, and, and he recruits the athletes that are able to fit that system. To me, Steve has had all offseason to prepare for this one game. If you have Georgia Tech coming in week seven, week eight of the season, you don't have time to prepare. You have like a week to get them ready for that triple option. I have a feeling that Boston College defense, which, which is really, really talented, is going to have a much better chance to succeed than they would have if they had played this game in October or November. Yeah, I think it's a great point, and they have been working in the offseason on just the offense is running the triple option against this defense to try to, well, you know, try to get them going for it. Um, right, and, and here's, the, here's the one thing I'd say about BC's defense, though. You know, you've got some, you've got some guys in that defense extremely aggressive and, and are really fantastic at that. But the, what Georgia Tech's offense does is it lures you in and it sort of baits you in, uh, and, and over-aggressiveness can cause you to give up 40 and 50-yard you know, runs down the field. It really is that much of a, a penetrating, uh, damaging defense if you don't stay disciplined. So I would say as long as the as long as the linebacking core of Boston College
matchup is they're going to find going up against some other quarterbacks that they can terrorize and collapse the pocket and things that, that want to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, Justin Thomas might be um, might be a guy that, that maybe can can handle this BC defense in some different ways than they're used to seeing. Yeah, and he's, he's patient. He understands how to run this offense very, very well. And again, two years ago, he looked like a guy who could really throw the ball down the field, and he was a real threat. Last year, it was shaky at best. And Paul Johnson called him out quite a bit about it and said, we can't have this uneven play at quarterback. We'll see which guy shows up. First game of the year, though, I think he's going to be incredibly prepared. And uh, I'm a Paul Johnson fan. I'm just not a fan of the offense that he runs. Yeah, no, I completely understand. It's it's a big game for both teams coming off three nine records. So we'll see we'll see who shows up and how it turns out. In terms of uh, projections for the year for Georgia Tech, um, what do you think? Any chance that they you know rise back towards the top of the ACC Coastal because that's kind of an up in the up in the air division? Or do you see you know maybe a, a six win season? Oh, I, I'm actually believing they can rebound more. Uh, in fact, Phil Steele, who one of the one of the guys that I trust his I trust his voice, I trust his vision of college football probably more than almost any analyst out there. Love Phil Steele's College Football Magazine. If you haven't read it, everybody should get a copy. But to me, he picks Georgia Tech as one of his number one teams to rebound, like the most number of games. Now, part of that is coming from three wins last year. I would thoroughly expect Georgia Tech has a winning season this year. And that means seven and five. I'm gonna I'm gonna write down a seven and five number. If they were to go eight and four, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm looking more at like a seven and five. But going from three to seven, that'll be a, a huge step in the right direction. Uh, th- this is one where it's a program that is far better than the three wins they had last year. But it ain't the eleven win program that they had a couple years ago. If you don't mind my English, there it's not very Boston College English there. But uh, they, they aren't an eleven win team. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I think it's definitely a bounce back year for them, but we'll see uh, how it turns out in the long run. Let's look at the ACC as a whole. This is this is a fun conference, um, and many analysts are projecting that Clemson and FSU are, are two teams that that definitely could find their way into the college football playoff. Louisville also expected to be very strong. What are your thoughts on the ACC and the teams at the top? And this might be a bold question, and maybe I know your answer, but but is it even inching its way towards the SEC as the best conference in college football? Absolutely not to that. I, I, I thought that might be the answer, but I, I wanted to put it out there. I'm all into that. There's no way that the conference is in any way even in the zip code of the SEC. There are but the teams at the top of the conference. You could have two teams in that conference that are every bit as good as any team in the SEC because Florida State and Clemson are both the real deal. Here's the difference. Florida State, I'm going to have to see that their quarterback play is going to be able to be at the top level, is going to be able to do that. I'm, I'm asking the same thing of Alabama. What kind of quarterback player are they going to get? Whereas I already know what Deshaun Watson's bringing to the table with Clemson. And honestly, if either of those teams, if they both get to that Thanksgiving weekend unbeaten, I mean a Halloween weekend unbeaten, they play the 29th of October. I mean, there is the, to me, that's the ACC championship game, honestly watching FSU and Clemson play uh, that weekend. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. And I'm a big believer in Jimbo Fisher, like him a lot, but uh, I, I really believe that, that that right now what Dabo has cooking at Clemson is something special. And they have been on the slow ascent. 
every year they seem to take it just one step further, one step further. And last year was just so impressive. And I have no reason to believe if, he, if he's not healthy, I have no reason to pick against Clemson as the ACC champ. But the rest of the conference, when you get by, when, when you think about it, if you talk about a Clemson and an FSU, and then you drop all the way down to like a Louisville, that's a totally different animal. Louisville's not a top five program in the SEC. And I think that's where the difference is. There's a step down. There are distinct steps down at that point uh, to the next level of teams. A Virginia Tech, who knows what they're going to be able to be post-Frank Beamer era. Uh, it, it is shown to be a school that has been very, very impressive, but they've had one coach for a long, long time. That whole entire culture can change. So we're going to have to see how that works out. But I just see it as there's a huge step up, and then there are all these missing floors in the skyscraper when you get from Clemson and Florida State down to the next level. Whereas in the SEC, Alabama, clearly the penthouse. But you have a bunch of four or five other programs that any one year competing for a national championship. And then even the next level down, I think some of those programs are comparable with teams that they would be seven, ten-point favorites over some of the bottom teams in the ACC. So it's a little aggressive to think they're approaching, but here's one thing I'll give you. If you're talking about 11 on 11, the, you know, a Florida State and a Clemson or some of these schools, it's the, it's, they can match up the first 11. They can match up with starting, uh, starting lineups, but it's the depth of these SEC schools that really plays out in the long run. And uh, so a lot of that may be academics of the, of the ACC schools, but it's harder to find. You can find, uh, uh, you can find a couple good kids that can meet some of these academic requirements. But in the SEC, honestly, I don't want to say it's color within the lines, uh, you know, but uh, for a lot of these schools, I think it's very, very simple. If you can, if you can fog the mirror, you've got a chance to get in. Yeah, you know, you're talking about depth in the SEC. It, it, that's the big thing. And I, I knew your answer to that question, and I agree. The SEC is still absolutely the powerhouse. So the SEC has depth, and the ACC maybe struggles with that, some of their teams towards the bottom. For the teams that weren't at the top of the ACC last season, such as Boston College, what do they have to do to stand out, do you think, in an increasingly competitive world of college football? I just don't know that we're not seeing tiers of college football develop, even within Division One. And, again, I think the BC program is very, very similar to the kind of status that Georgia Tech is. They can dial up a a 10-win season every few years, but I don't think you're going to see them be able to create a program that can sustain, get enough of the athletes in there, that can sustain year after year. You've got to go on a run of four or five years where you're averaging nine and a half wins, 10 wins, to really show that, hey, we're knocking on the door, we're elite status. And I don't believe that these schools that have good football programs but academically demand so much of their athletes, I think what you got to do is you got to count on twice a decade we're going to have a special team. And for the rest of it, expect around eight wins, and hopefully it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, the academic discussion within the world. I don't world think of- there's anything they can do differently, meaning. I don't think there's anything that, that they can do. Here's one way they could do it differently. They could start cutting corners. And I know a school like BC, I know a school like Georgia Tech, and they're not going to do it. Yeah. And in one way, I really, really admire it. Uh, because, but will the fan, do the fan bases, uh, are they okay with that? That's the only problem. Yeah, John, I think you're right. I mean, that's that's been a big discussion. Do you want to maybe try to cut corners and try to put this you know, great team out there and try to 
compete with the the likes of the recruits that some of these other schools are getting. And I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think it's no, it's not going to happen. It's, it's they're not going to they're not going to cheapen up your diploma to have four out of six years competing at the top of the ACC in football. They're just not going to do it. And honestly, I don't think you're going to get enough athletes to no. want to come up there to want to come because you can't recruit the Boston area. And put together a championship club. Yeah. You've got to be able to you gotta be able to get down into New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Ohio. And you gotta be able to get down into Florida and Texas and things like that. And I just don't know that the reach of the Boston College brand or honestly the Georgia Tech brand doesn't bring him in either. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's a great point and uh, these are the things that, you know, some of these schools they have to pick and choose in some areas and you're right, I think for right now, B C uh, and for that matter Georgia Tech is gonna, you know, continue to keep the institutional values at where they're where they're at. So for the teams that are, you know, really kind of the powerhouses in college football right now, the teams that are competing for the college football playoff, we're you know, two championships in. This is gonna be the third season of the college football playoff. What do you think of the move away from the BCS? Um, and anything that you would change about the playoffs current format? Well, I'm a, I am a believer that if you're going to keep it at four, I do not believe that any one conference should be have the opportunity to put two teams in the playoff. I absolutely believe that if it went to an 18th playoff, I would give the five power conferences a bid. I would give of the other conferences, like the AAC that Houston's playing in, with Temple, by the way, um, if, if they, I would give the top conference team, the highest-ranked conference team, out of one of those other conferences, would get another bid. So that would leave you with six, and then I would have two wild cards. So two wild cards could come from the highest-ranked teams that are at, at the final poll that would be able to get in there and take, and take the final two spots. That's how I would do it if I had a college football playoff. But one of the things I would also do is I would have the committee seed them. And I wouldn't just seed that. I would make sure that a wild card team was always seeded down at the bottom. The wild cards, to me, would have to be seeded seven and eight. And that would be my policy, and that's that's where I'd have it. So I really like – I don't mind the four, but I don't believe that a non-conference champion should have an opportunity to be one of the four. Because to me, what I would like to see them have their hand forced on is if the Pac-12, like last year, had two or three teams that they all end up with. They're all two losses by, by Halloween. And then you have teams like a three losses by early, you know, late November. They've played their way out of it. I want to see where they're, they're forced to truly consider, like this year, could it be a Houston? Could it be a Boise State? Uh, someone like that to push to get into this playoff, one of those four seats. And I think that as long as they will accept the team that hadn't won their championship in that, which I don't think should be considered, uh, I, I think they can, they can intentionally squeeze out some of these smaller conferences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think eight teams would be a lot of fun. And I like your format with the wild cards. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's already, it's already you know, amped up in a level of excitement having the four. I think eight would be a really cool step. And, and you're asking, you're asking all, all you're going to ask, you know, teams to do is you're asking four more teams to play one more game, or it, or you're then asking the championship team, the two teams in the championship, to play one more game. I mean, it's really not a big deal. They make it out like it's a big deal. It's really not. Yeah, I agree, and I think that'd be that'd be a fun move, and you know, maybe in a couple of years that that's what we'll come to. Maybe the TV contracts are going to determine that. Yes, uh, as always. 
Um, so f- for this season, this is something I know you've talked a lot about uh, on, on your show and on the CBS show. For 2017, right now, who are the four teams that you see in the Coshwell playoff? And then give me one dark horse team to watch uh, during the regular season that maybe could push their way towards that top four. All right, let me let me think about this here. I, I mean, if I, I I obviously I feel very strong. I feel very strong about Alabama. I want to like LSU, but I very much question the offense that they run down there with Les Miles and his quarterback situation. So give me Alabama. I already told you before, Deshaun Watson means, and the experience gained last year means that I don't have any reason to doubt that Clemson has something impressive cooking there. So I'll take Clemson. Uh, I would, I, as much as I would want to tell you that I can believe that Oklahoma's going to get it done, they're, they're, they're right there in that mix. If, if, I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leery about pulling the trigger there, so I'm going to skip that. I'll go to the Big Ten. I'll go to the Big Ten, and even though they're very, very young, one of the youngest teams I've seen. I like Ohio State more than Michigan because I've seen Urban Meyer before coach up young teams. So I think Urban, Urban Meyer has a team that isn't getting enough talked about. Uh, everyone's talking about Harbaugh and Michigan. Until I see Michigan take care of business against Michigan State, take care of business against Ohio State, I'm going to slightly be a doubter there. To so give me Ohio State in that mix. And if you want a dark horse for it all, and it's probably not that big a dark horse, but Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, despite the arrests this past yep, weekend, yep. I don't know how that's going to all shake out. I think Notre Dame could be a team that could crash the party and could cause a lot of turmoil there. So they could be in that mix. I do not believe the college football committee will put a team like Houston in, even if they were having a fantastic season. I, I just don't see them putting them in the uh, one of the four slots. But if, again, if you had a fall, if, if Notre Dame doesn't put up a strong season, sort of playing as that slash independent type program, uh, and Oklahoma is the Oklahoma that we expect, they're going to lose one or two games that they shouldn't. Uh, if, if Oklahoma's a one-loss Big 12 champion, if they're 11-1, and one, uh, and then they win the conference title game, because I guess they'll have that this year, uh, I, I would think Oklahoma gets in, but I, I'm just leery of them. I, I don't. I don't trust. I, to me, trusting Oklahoma is try is like trusting Ryan Lochte to get home from the bar. <laughs> it's just. It's not a good proposition to me. So, how about Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama? I like that. that. That's an interesting four. A four that I haven't heard yet. And you're right. Notre Dame's got a lot of talent, and no matter who's playing the quarterback position, both those great quarterbacks. Yeah, both those guys can play. Yeah, both of those guys can play. Yeah, so um, so John Kincaid with some great insights on the Georgia Tech uh, football program. He'll be who BC will be playing in the opening uh, weekend of college football and on college football as a whole. So, John, thank you so much. You can catch John at John Kincaid on Twitter and on CBS Sports Radio and Six Eighty The Fan in Atlanta. John, thank you so much for joining us at WZBC Sports and offering your insights on college football. I look forward to doing it again. Great stuff from John Kincaid. Uh, that was really great of him to uh, to join us, and uh, he, he offered some some really cool stuff around the, the world of college football and um, some stuff that's you know really relevant to us here at BC. So we thank John for that. Um, all right, guys, let's wrap this up as we're all chomping at the bit, getting ready to, to for the for the Georgia Tech uh, game this season uh, to open up the season. Expectations, predictions for the year. It's going to be a turnaround season for BC. I really believe that. 
But in terms of what we're looking at, uh, maybe you know, with win totals, even not win totals, but some games you guys look at and say, I think BC can win this one, or or I like this side of the ball to really improve. For me, they're they're going to be in bowl game. I mean, I, I'm I'm absolutely positive on that. You know, hold me to that. August 29th, I said it right here, um, and, I, and I think they're going to beat Georgia Tech. I, I really do. I think there are some tr- there are some tougher games on the line that uh, you know I think away Virginia Tech is going to be tough. You're you're at Florida State. Um, and the season will develop as it does. I, I like the way the schedule is laid out this year, but I think we open the season with a win against Georgia Tech, um, and I think it's a it's a big turnaround season for us. And, and I think we start to to prove wrong in the national media that that didn't really give us a chance or didn't really learn the context of the program. Uh, I see a big turnaround year. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, you mentioned it that this is going to be a huge game against Georgia Tech. Obviously, neither team has the home advantage, which does play to the strength of Boston College losing a home game. But you look at the early schedule, they have that game against UMass at Gillette, very winnable. That game, as you mentioned, will be very difficult at Virginia Tech. But from there on, they have five, uh, excuse me, four straight home games, and then they have that really playing to their advantage in Wagner, Buffalo, and then that Friday night game against Clemson. Realistically, BC can start this season uh, with wins every week up until Clemson, and that's going to be a fantastic game. Of course, the national runner-ups from last season always great when they come to the heights but their season will be uh difficult once they hit the acc play i mean really you start off right on the bat with georgia tech and then virginia tech week three but really until you get to clemson uh you have some of those non-conference games uh three out of their first five of course are non-conference i think that'll be beneficial for bc who has in the past done very well against their non-conference opponents Steve, I really like the point you made about the way the schedule's laid out this year. Obviously, BC goes on the road, very much on the road, to Ireland in week one, technically a home game, and then again to Gillette week two at Virginia Tech week three. But after that, they never play two road games in a row, which is very, very important for this team. I like where the bye week is this year as well. Last year, it was very late in the season, just a bad break, nothing BC could do about it. This year, it's right on Saturday, October 15th, which is really a great spot coming off a Clemson game where the team might be a little emotionally drained depending on the outcome of the game. Uh, But as I look at the schedule, there's a couple of really pivotal games. One of them is Virginia Tech. Um, Like you said, it's going to be tough, uh, but, uh, but I think they've played some tight games in the past few years. BC has had some success against the Hokies. If they are able to steal that one, then regardless of what happens or what has happened in the Georgia Tech game, I think BC can go into that Clemson game 4-1, and one, which would make me thrilled. I think that would be a phenomenal, you know, almost first half. I see Syracuse as the second really pivotal game. I mean, that's another team that's right there with BC. The Eagles lost on a, a field goal as time expired at the Carrier Dome uh, in November to end the season, really ended it on a, a bit of a sour note. I think that's huge coming at home. And then finally, Wake Forest in the last game of the year, you know, if – BC happens to be a win short of bowl eligibility, then the importance of that game will need no explanation. But I think even if BC is sitting at, let's say, 6-5 and five, going into that game, another very winnable game, another opponent that BC lost to by three points last year, that's going to be a huge one. And, and to me, I think BC does take care of all, the, uh, all those non-conference teams. Yeah, I agree, and I think BC suits up well for all the games that you've talked about, Anthony. So it's going to be a great season. We're really looking forward to it. So that's going to wrap it up for the first ever WZBC Sports Podcast. I want to thank Anthony Adi and Casey Haig for doing this, the first ever WZBC Sports Podcast. They will be on the call from Dublin, Ireland, in Aviva Stadium. So turn on the game uh, at 7.30 in the morning and uh, turn on the volume, turn up. WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. My name is Steve Mackley, along with Jake Lorenzo. 
We were bringing you the podcast this year, so we hope you enjoyed, and I promise you there's a lot of great stuff to come from us with the guests we're bringing on and the content that we'll be bringing you. It's going to do it for us. Have a great week, and go Eagles. Santini, make a nice little pass over to Sanford. Sanford gives it to Tuck. Tuck with a shot. Tuck scores. Eagles win. The Eagles have won the 2016 Piedmont Championship. Catch all the excitement of Boston College Athletics right here on WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. As BC's only student radio broadcasting organization, WZBC Sports brings a different viewpoint of college athletics to the table. Our student commentators know the campus, student athlete culture, and latest beat on the teams like no other media outlet, thanks to our dedicated coverage of Boston College Sports. Check out our broadcast or weekly talk show schedules at www.wzbcsports.com and get a refreshing take on sporting events at the heights and beyond.